Hey friends, how you doing there? Welcome back. Excuse me. Welcome. Uh, excuse me. Alright. Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying the Mem Test, the 49 of Masech Lixubis, friends. Well, yesterday we kind of got like halfway through the Amud already of Mem Testament Aleph, so that's exciting stuff. So, um, a little bit less to do today. And, um, yeah, we start with the new Mishnah about, uh, the father being Chayib Mizonis of, uh, of, of, uh, his, his daughter and, uh, his son also, the Gemara is going to discuss about. So that's kind of what we talk about. And then we get to like some Yerusha stuff kind of later. Okay. So says the Mishnah about halfway through Memtes Amaralev, Ha'ab Enu Chayib Bimzonis Bito. So a father is not obligated in the, um, in the in the mizonis to paying the the uh, for the food of his daughter. And this Rabbi ben Azariah taught before the rabbis in Karim Biavne. Karim Biavne is basically the Besamedrish in Yavne. That um, it's called the Karim Biavne because it was set up like a vineyard that there were rows of, of uh, benches. But it's the Besamedrish in Yavne and says Rashi Friends, you remember once upon a time, a very long time ago, oh my gosh, two and a half years ago already. That's crazy. Um, we learned Mesech the Brachis, and there was a whole story about when they replaced Rabbi Gamliel with Rabbi Lozav and Azariah to be Rosh Hashiva. So on that day, he taught this halachi. That the sons inherit the father, and the daughters get uh, sustenance. Now, Rashi says that what does it mean that the sons inherit the father? We're talking about Ksubas Bnindichrin. We're going to get to it a little bit later. If I understand correctly, Ksubas Bnindichrin is that basically if you have a fellow, you have Reuven, he's married to Sarah and Rivka. So let's say Sarah brings in to the, to the marriage a hundred dollars and Rivka brings in, brings with her nine hundred dollars so now the father's net worth now the husband Reuven's net worth let's say is now a thousand dollars now the thing is Rifka is bringing in nine hundred dollars into the marriage she's concerned because she's going to have sons and Sarah is going to have sons or let's just say one son each right so you have Yaakov Yaakov is married to uh, Sarah and Rifka he's going to have two kids Reuven and Shimon Sarah is going to give birth to Reuven. Rivka is going to give birth to Shimon. Sounds like Yvamis over here. Um, just, we don't really need to get into this. But basically, I think the point is that Rivka is concerned that if Yaakov dies, so then Reuven and Shimon, his kids, are going to divide up the estate easily, uh, equally, which isn't necessarily fair because Rivka brought in nine times with her as much as Sarah did. So why should Sarah's son Reuven inherit just as much as her son Shimon. So therefore, she, there's a stipulation in Ksubas Benindichrin that there's a, that he, he says, don't worry, when I die, Ruvain won't have access to the stuff that you brought in, right? That, that, you, you know, your stuff will go to your, to your sons. I think that, I think that that's it. But we're gonna get to, we're gonna get, we're gonna get to the Sugya in a few days. Um, so now, anyways, so says Rabbi Elizabeth Nazari that the, Sons have this ksubas benindichrin, and the daughters 
uh, get right the, their sustenance is written in the ksuba as well, right? That um, that he'll that will support the daughters either until they get married or until they become bogarises. And just like the sons inherit their ksubas after the father uh, passes away. So also when we talk about the mizonis of the daughters, so um, that is relevant after he dies. But uh, while he's alive, he doesn't have to pay for her mizonis. Now says the Gemara, that He's not chayv to pay for his daughter's mizonis. Habimizonis beno chayv. But we want to say, so he's not chayv to pay for his daughter's mizonis, but he is chayv, he's obligated to pay for his son's mizonis. Uvito nami chovahu deleko amitzvahika. But even for his daughter, he's not obligated to pay for his daughter's food, but uh, it's encouraged. So we see, based on this interpretation of the Mishnah, a fellow is encouraged to support his daughters and obligated to support his sons. Now, money must So who is the author of that Mishnah? Who, which Tana says that a fellow is obligated to pay, to pay for the food of his sons and encouraged to pay for the food of his daughter? Lo, Reb Meir. Lo, Reb Yehuda. Velo, Reb Yochanan ben Broka. It's like neither Reb Meir nor Reb Yehuda nor that it's encouraged to sustain the daughters. And certainly, if it's encouraged to sustain the daughters, it's then encouraged also to sustain the sons because they are studying Torah. That's Rameer's opinion. That it's encouraged to sustain the sons and then certainly it's encouraged to sustain the um, daughters, because if you don't sustain them and they're forced to, to beg for food, that's that, that wouldn't be very nice for the daughters. So, so, so therefore, you know, so, so, so it says Rabbi Yehuda that uh, a fellow is uh, encouraged to sustain his sons and certainly is encouraged to sustain his daughters. Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka, Omer says Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka, Chova losun esabonis. It's an obligation to sustain the daughters after their father dies. But as long as the father is alive, that the son, neither the sons nor the daughters, are, he's not even encouraged to, um, to, to um, support either one of them. He doesn't have to, he's not even encouraged. He's not discouraged, but he's not encouraged either. So So who's the author of our Mishnah? Our Mishnah says he's obligated to, to support his sons and encouraged to support his daughters. But that doesn't seem like Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, or Rabbi Yochan ben Broca. E Rabbi Meir, because if it's Rabbi Meir, Ha'amar Bonim Mitzvah. Rabbi Meir says that just like it's encouraged to sustain the daughters, it's also encouraged to sustain the sons. It's not an obligation though. E Rabbi Yehuda, if it's Rabbi Yehuda, Ha'amar Nami Bonim Mitzvah, right? He also says, like Reb Meir, that it's encouraged to support the sons, but not obligated. And if it's Reb Yochanan Mebroka, I feel the mitzvah nami leko. There's not even any encouragement, per se, for neither the sons nor the daughters. So we, we, we haven't yet found an opinion that would be like our Mishnah. Which Sigmar says, actually, you can explain our Mishnah like 
any of those three. Like Rav Meir, like Rav Yudah, like Rav Yochanan and Broca. Let's start with Rav Meir. Ibai same Rav Meir. I can say that the Mishnah is Rav Meir. This is how you have to understand the Mishnah. Ha'av eno chayav bimzonis bito. A fellow is not obligated to support his daughter, but he is encouraged. And it's the same thing for his son. Ha'mitzvah bibito iko. But it is a, wait, what did I just say? Right? So there's no obligation for his daughter nor for his son. But it is encouraged to, to support his daughter. And then certainly to the sons who are studying Torah, he's also encouraged to support them. By the Katani Bito, the reason why he mentioned the daughter, Hakamash Malan, it's teaching us the Afilu Bito Chovahu Deleka that even um, his daughter, um, right, 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 that even the Afilu Bito Chovahu Deleka Hamitzveika. What it's saying is that even for the daughter, though, who's not necessarily studying Torah, but um, while it might not be an obligation, it is still encouraged to support her. Vibai Seim Rufuan El Seirabiura that the Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda, this is what it's saying, a fellow is not obligated to pay for the mizonis um, of his daughter, live no, um, and certainly he is not obligated to pay for the um, um, uh, sustenance of his son, but it nonetheless is encouraged to support his son, and then certainly if it's encouraged to support his son, it will be encouraged to support his daughter, so that they don't have to Go around begging. But the Katani Bito, the reason why it mentions um, his daughter is a Kamash it's letting us know the Afilu Bito Chovaleka, that even his daughter, who certainly he should be supporting, so she doesn't have to go around begging, uh, it's not, he's not obligated to support her, but it is encouraged. Or I could say it's a Broka, and this is what it's saying, that there is no obligation. To support his daughter, nor to support his son. And it's not even encouraged either. But since uh, there is an obligation to support his daughters once he dies, so he also mentioned that, but that that while he's alive, there's no obligation. But it means there's no obligation. There is no when he's not even encouraged either necessarily. Omer Be'ilas says, so okay, so we explain how the Mishnah can be like either Reb Meir or Reb Yudah or Reb Yochanan ben Broca. Omer Be'ilas says, Reb Yudah, Omer Rishlakish, says the name of Rishlakish, Mishum Reb Yosi Barachanina, and the name of Reb Yosi Barachanina, Be'usha is Ginu, they established in Usha. There's a band, there's a contemporary uh, Jewish music band called Zusha. This is Usha. Maybe we should make a Babylon Talmud band and we'll call it Usha. Who would be in it? Who would be in the Babylon Talmud band? We could probably make, uh, we could probably put something together. I, the Misa, I probably won't be involved um, because I, it'll, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, um, committing to band practice right now um, is not something that I that I want to add to my schedule. But, uh, um, but okay, Babylon Talmud the band could be called Usha. So, so the Usha is So they made um, they made uh, 
a, a uh, thing in Usha. That a fellow should um, sustain his sons and his daughters. When they are young. Okay, well, there you have it. In Usha they said when the, when the, when the, when the, when the sons and daughters are young, you should support them. They asked the Kasha, is that the Allah? Like, like, uh, does he really need to support his sons and daughters? So Tashma, so listen to this. Also the comment of Yehuda, if they would come to a Yehuda and ask, you know, say like, hey, I got these little kids, do I need to, like, support them? Armelu, he would say to them, look, Yairod Yalda, a jackal gives birth, and then ignores them and says, go fend for yourselves. That's what a jackal does. Are you a jackal? Kiava Asu, the Kame, the when they would come before Rav Chizda, he would say to them, he would say to them, Kfu lay asisa bitsibura, go turn over a mortar in public, and then stand on a velekum and stand on a velema and say, Orva boi bone, ba'u gavra lo boi bone. That even a raven cares about his kids, and this fellow is not interested in his own kids. Does a raven really, is he really interested in his kids? But the Pasuk says, To the children of the raven that they call out. Because they don't, because they're, they're being ignored. So, Lokasha, it's no problem. It depends. When their mom is just born and they're white, so the raven, I don't know, doesn't recognize them or something. So, so they're ignored and they have to call out for food. But once they become black, then the raven recognizes them and, and feeds them. Okay? If somebody would come to Rave, he would say to the fellow, What, do you want your kids to, to, to have to be, be fed from public uh, charity funds? Okay, fine. So we basically, we see nobody was able to say like, yeah, nobody went out, went so far as to say you must support your children, but they would kind of like try to discourage them and make them feel like a real shmendrick. But now that's also, you know, if he's not wealthy, if the fellow's wealthy and for whatever reason he doesn't want to support his kids, we force him against his will to support his kids. And forced him to give 400 zuz for tzedakah. Right? That, that, uh, so I guess when it comes to tzedakah, if a fellow can, can afford it, so then we, um, so then, um, so then, um, so then, uh, so then, right, if he can't afford it, so then, if, he, if he's wealthy, so then, so then we can kind of force him to pay. So we see that just like Rav forced um, um, Rav Nosen by Ami to give Tzedakah, so also we're basically saying to the guy, like, forget about if they're your kids or not, you know, if, if you're a wealthy guy, then you know, just treat it like Tzedakah, and you'll have to support your kids. Now, okay, here's an interesting little bit. Omer Rib Illa, says Rib Illa, Omer Rishlakish, in the name of Rishlakish. But Usha Eskinu, they made a thing in Usha. Hakosib kol nechosav levanav, uveishto nizon nimeim. That if a fellow writes all of his possessions to his children, him and his wife can still chaperain from it. So you have a fellow and his wife, and he, and he maybe it's some kind of tax, tax loophole, who knows. But he writes uh, all of his property to to his children. So now technically his children own it and not him. So he doesn't have any rights to it. But they made a takana in Usha 
that if a fellow does this, he still has a right to to to, to chaparain stuff. Maskafla Rebzer, now Rebzer is unimpressed. Vitem Reb Shmuel Banachmani, some says Reb Shmuel Banachmani, Gedolim Mizeh Amru, Mizeh Amru. This isn't that big of a chiddush. They said an even bigger chiddush. What's the even bigger chiddush? Almanoso Nizonis Minuchasov. That even his widow would be able to get um, uh, sustained from his property. So do we even have to ask about um, him and his wife? Let's go by this. What are we talking about? So, Dishalach Ravan say that Ravan sent, that if you have a fellow who dies, okay? And he left a widow and a daughter. So you have Ruvain dies. And he's married to Sarah, and they have a daughter, Rivka, okay? So Ruvain dies, and then um, he's, he leaves a widow and a daughter. So who inherits Ruvain? Uh, his daughter, Rivka, right? Sarah, his wife, will get her ksube, and then the rest of his property goes to, uh, to, to, to Rivka, who inherits him. So Sarah, the widow, Will will be sustained by the inheritance that the daughter Rivka has. Nises, but now what happens? Right, Nises Abbas. What happens if Rivka now gets married? So Rivka is married to I don't know Shimon. Rivka is now married to Shimon. So the thing is, when she's married, so this inheritance that she has from her father Ruven is nichsemaluk. Which means that they belong to her, but her husband Shimon can eat the fruits. And because he can eat the fruits, he's, he's considered like a lokeach, like as if somebody who purchased the, um, the, um, the uh, property. He's considered like it's somebody who's purchased the property. So you have this property, right, that, that belongs to her, it's but it's considered like it was sold to her husband Shimon because he's able to eat the fruits. Now here's the thing. This property is a property that had a lien on it, right? Because uh, it was used to, right? That, right? That's um, right. The 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 widow Sarah was 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 um, was um, was um, able to eat, right? Being sustained from that property, so she wouldn't be able. So Rivka wouldn't be able to sell it to anybody else. Um, but if she does, so then Sarah would no longer be able to eat from that property. Um, if she would sell it, but in this case, we're saying that even though Rivka got married and now her husband Shimon has the rights to eat the fruits and he's considered like a buyer of the field, Midrabon, and it still belongs to Rivka, but because he has rights to eat it, he's considered like a buyer in some sense. So Sare, the widow, should no longer be able to collect her, you know, Mizonis from that field anymore if, um, 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 Shimon is considered like the buyer of it, but nonetheless, Almanoso Nizonis Minchasov, still, Sare, the widow, is able to be sustained from this property, even though it's considered like Shimon purchased it. Mesa Habas, and now if Rivka dies, and now Shimon inherits Rivka, i.e., he inherited this field, it's now his. Mamish, Rivka's dead. There's a story like an incident that's like this that happened. And they said that 
Sara can continue to be sustained from this property. So, uh, so, so what just happened? Ruven was married to Sara, and they had a daughter, Rivka. So they were married, and everything was hunky dory, and uh, they were all being sustained from this estate. Fine. Ruven now dies. His daughter Rivka inherits him. Sara, the widow, can continue being sustained from this property. Rivka then gets married to Shimon. And now, even though he's considered like a lokeach by the Nechasim, uh, by the Nechasim Elog, still Rivka, uh, Sara can continue eating from this um, property. And then, even if Rivka dies and Shimon inherits his widow Rivka, now the property belongs to Shimon and still Rivka can continue eating from that property, even though um, Ruvain is dead. Rivka is dead, and the property now belongs to Rivka's uh, husband, Shimon. Still, Sara can continue eating from it. So, then obviously in a situation where Ruvain is still alive, Sara is still alive, they, he writes off his property to his children, he can continue to eat it. I mean, even when Reuven dies and now it goes to somebody else's possession entirely, we said that Sara can continue eating from that property when Reuven is still alive. Certainly, he should be able to continue eating from this property that he wrote to his kids. To which the Gemara says, it's actually not so obvious because I might argue that when Reuven is dead, so the reason why Sara is able to eat from his uh, property, even once the daughter Rivka dies, and now the property belongs to her husband Shimon, she could still eat from the property because who else, who else is going to support her? Whereas over here, I might think that as long as the husband is still alive, if he rode away his property to his children, so then let him get a job and make some money and support and support him and his wife that way. So it isn't so obvious that he would be able to continue eating from that property. So therefore, it has to teach us in Usha, they taught us in Usha that if a, 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 a husband and wife write their property to their children, they can nonetheless continue um, eating from that property. So is that the halacha? That if a, uh, that if a fellow writes all of his property to his children, he can continue eating from the property? That Chanin and Reb Yonasim were together. Also, Ugava Gochin Vinashke the Reb Yonasim Akari and came a certain fellow and kissed Reb Yonasim on his feet. Chanin, my eye. Chanin says to Reb Yonasim, "What's the deal? Why is this guy kissing your feet?" So Amalei Reb Yonasim says, "I'll tell you." Kosev Nechosov Levonov Hava. This fellow wrote all of his property to his children. Vasi Sinu Lizane, and I forced his children to let him. To sustain him from this property. Now, Yomar Pishlama Lavdina, so if we're saying that the halacha, that it's not a halacha, that, that, um, the children have to allow the father to be sustained from the property that he gave to them. Mishumachi asisinu, asayinu, that's why he had to force them, because, you know, it wasn't the halacha, but he had to force them. El Yomar Dina, asayinu boy, but if you're saying that the halacha is, that if a father uh, uh, gives his property to, 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 to his children when he's still alive, if the halacha is that they still have to let him, you know, chaperain from it, 
Well, then what's the big Kiddush that, that he didn't exactly save the day? He was just saying what the halacha is. Rather, it must be that it isn't actually halacha that they have to let him be sustained from the property. So therefore, Rabbi Yonason said, nonetheless, let your father eat from the property. And that's why the guy was so um, um, happy that um, Rabbi Yonason, um sort of forced the kids to let him eat from the property, that he went and kissed his feet. Friends, that was the Afmem Tess of Masech Tzubis. Uh, we learned a new Mishnah um, that it says that there's no obligation for a fellow to, su- to sustain his uh, daughter. And then we had three opinions. We had the opinion of Reb Yehuda and Reb Meir, which are really, this, you know, at the end of the day, the net, they are net the same, which is that there, even though there's no obligation for one to support his sons and daughters, it is certainly encouraged. There's the opinion of Reb Yochanan Mabroko, who says, that as long as the father is alive, there it's not, it's not even necessarily you know specifically encouraged. If he wants to, he can, but it, it isn't it isn't necessarily we don't you don't have to encourage it in any um, way. Um, and then at the end, we learned of this halacha uh, that if a father, if a husband and wife kind of uh, write over their possessions to their kids in Usha, they said that the husband and the wife could still continue to eat from that property. Um, and it seems like that might not necessarily be the halacha per se, but um, uh, we did see that Rabbi Yonison did enforce it nonetheless. Friends, that was the Bemtes of Mesech Tzuk Subis. Hope you enjoy. Peace out.